Hello, welcome to iRock City. This is The Rocket. Uh, today we're talking about Metallica in the 1980s. Uh, joining me, as always, he's been breaking bricks since 96. He's one of the kind. He is the K9, Imran from Toronto. How's it going? Good, man. How about you? How's everything? Yeah, everything is good. Uh, just this corona craze going on, but uh, <laughs> yeah. that's affecting everyone all across the world. But otherwise, I'm good. Yeah. Just listening to music and uh, doing this. So. Yeah, no, uh, no sports. Uh, no, um, no NBA, no basketball. Oh. Premiership uh, has been canceled, suspended. As yeah, well. uh, it might affect probably also professional wrestling. Yeah, yeah, I think anything with contact, right, is mm-hmm. just off the table right now. Um, uh, you know, I had a work trip which was canceled. Um, so yeah, it's is quite pretty serious. So yeah, so yeah, it's uh, it's affecting our lives, and you know, we're to, we to, we urge our audience member and ourselves as well to. Stay safe, wash your hands, and don't touch your face. Yeah, exactly. Stay safe, travel as less as possible, and uh, yeah, what can I say? Okay, so um, yeah, well, uh, before we get into Metallic in the 80s, uh, what have you been listening to uh, in recent weeks? So um, I think I mentioned this last week. I did. Um, I am going to go see Pet Shop Boys open up for New Order. And um, so I went back and started looking at uh, old uh, Pet Shop Boys albums, like especially from the 80s, mm. um, going through that catalog as well. Um, a couple of metal uh, metal bands here and there uh, because of Metallica. Um, I did get a chance to check out uh, Power Slave from Iron Maiden, which we had talked about last time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, thoughts? Okay, so I really enjoyed Power Slave. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's one of their earlier albums. Um, uh, now it was from the early '80s, right? Am I correct? That is correct. Yeah. Right. So, um, um, uh, compared to uh, the last album that we covered, Seventh Son of the Seventh Son, uh, which was more operatic, this was less operatic, um, faster, um, uh, faster guitar shredding. Oh yeah, um, Ace is high, man. It's one yes. of the best songs ever. Yes, yes. So I would say that Power Slave was a fantastic album, beautiful from end to uh, from beginning to end. Uh, I also highly encourage our readers to check it out. To I mean, our, our listeners to check it out as well. Um, something that would entertain them. So yeah, thumbs up for me for Power Slave. Awesome. Uh, yeah, and uh, a lot of Maiden is uh, especially in the eighties is, is really good stuff. Um, mm-hmm. uh, anything else uh, that you've been listening to? Um, that's about it because we've been really, uh, really busy with, um, you know, getting, uh, getting this podcast ready. Uh, I found myself listening to these albums a few times, like over and over because, uh, I, I believe that I wanted to give the best synopsis that I possibly can. So, uh, basically been listening to a lot of Metallica. Uh, during this that time to the end, I uh, and beyond uh, those, I did go and listen to a few tracks from, um, uh, you know, the Black Album. I was just feeling nostalgic, so mm-hmm. did yeah. go revisit the Black Album again. Awesome, and uh, for me, it's pretty much the same as you, kind of mm-hmm. like a lot of metal. Um, okay. So, uh, following our Iron Maiden podcast, I did uh, I started listening to a lot of metal. So, 
Okay. Um, yeah, Iron Maiden, Metallica, um, Black Sabbath again, um, Megadeth, uh, Disturbed, uh, right. and uh, a little bit of Slipknot, <laughs> too. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so just going through, like, Diamond Head, which was, like, one of the in- influences of, uh, you know, Metallica, Megadeth, Iron Maiden, etc. Yeah. Uh, uh, now, uh, two things I wanted to ask you about, uh, and expe- especially Diamond Head, because I've never heard Diamond Head at all. Um, give us your synopsis on it. Uh, say, uh, like, if we were to compare it against that British new wave of heavy metal bands. Yeah, it is one of those bands. So they were British. Um, they were part of that scene, but not as well known as Maiden, etc. Okay. And um, if you, uh, when Metallica did their first demo tape, uh, they covered four Diamond Head songs. Um, and um, when the big four were touring, like recently, they did, they did that song again. It's called Am I Evil? So I would start with that, Am I Evil by Diamond Head. Okay. Uh, and uh, yeah, they're much in the vein of uh, Maiden, Judas Priest. Um, not exactly the same in terms of subject matter, but the sound is that kind of uh, 80s sound, you know. Right. Oh, nice. And uh, yeah, I would highly recommend. I'll highly, highly recommend just going through and seeing what you like, what sticks, what doesn't. So, right, uh, right. Um, pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I was, um, I, I recall, um, um, uh, and I want to be, uh, recall reading something. Uh, it's a great book by Chuck Klosterman, um, about heavy metal, right? And, um, I forget the name of the book, but I'll, uh, once I remember it, I'll get back to you guys on it. Um, so, yeah. And they were talking about the British uh, new wave of heavy metal bands. And yes, yeah. um, there's one particular that he talked about that he's like, I haven't even heard of these guys. Uh, the Tigers of Ting Tang or something like that. Oh, yeah. yeah that rings a bell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he was actually he was talking about the influences for Metallica. And he was talking about, you know, I think he was defending hair metal bands, right? So that was a whole premise of the book. Um, right. <laughs> okay. And, yeah, uh, I'll definitely check it out. If, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah if it. But he takes, uh, he takes a, he really disses these bands because he found them to be, um, they were definitely, all these bands were definitely boring, uh, boring as in the sense that, um, they didn't attract a lot of female crowd, right? They didn't yeah. talk about girls. They didn't talk about partying. They didn't talk about like making money, no, uh, no. which the other bands were more famous for uh, right. writing yeah, ballads. Exactly. Um, yes. As good as a writer Bruce Dickinson is and the rest of uh, Iron Maiden, I doubt they could ever write a love ballad. That's just me. That's just my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah, exactly. I'm fine by that because I don't think I would ever want to hear a Bruce Dickinson love ballad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, do you want to kick it off? Do uh, you want to uh, get into um, uh, the subject matter and maybe a little bit of history and then I'll chime in as well? Yeah, so the the first album was Kill 'Em All. Um, so just before that, so Metallica started with uh, Lars Ulrich, uh, James Hetfield, Cliff Burton, mm-hmm. and uh, Dave Mustaine was their uh, initial guitarist, um, and he became famous for you know fronting Megadeth, which he does to this day. Right. But um, he kind of left the band before Kill 'Em All's album started recording, but he did contribute to four songs. Right. Um, 
And yeah, they replaced him with Kirk Hamlet, and they got started with Kill 'Em All. Right, and that's a uh, that's a pretty good place to um, uh, get started over here. Uh, a few more things that I did want to add to that. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with this or not, but initially Metallica did start in the LA scene, and um, you know okay. this, this was a time when you know Motley Crue was blowing up. Um, I believe uh, Guns N' Roses were still for way yeah, behind. They probably weren't there poison, yet. poison, and those guys. Uh, poison was a little behind as well. They were not there okay. yet, but um, that elk of band was coming up. And Metallica at that time had a real tough time getting an audience there. And it seemed mm. like um, L.A. wasn't very receptive to them. And they had moved to San Francisco where they had found like-minded people. And this had a lot to do with Cliff. Cliff said, I'm not coming down there. You guys can move up here. And um, uh, okay. Yeah, so it they uh, they attracted, and I think uh, at the time there was already a, um, I want to say like minded musicians. Um, you had Slayer out there, uh, you know, as you already know, Dave Mustaine was out there. So they, uh, th- it was more of an organic and I would say uh, kinder to them scene because, and you and you and you know this as well that the the that the sound that Metallica had was very different from that here scene. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, they call it thrash metal uh, with a little faster and, um, you know, the lyrics completely different and capturing a very different energy, you know? Right, right. And um, so I think think that's where the, you know, that appeal came in and I don't think it – it it wasn't about the party boys. It was definitely – I would say it was kind of closer to the kind of people that I would gravitate towards, you know, like uh, fantasy novels, uh, anger, but at the same time, alienation. I found a lot of punk in those. Um, yes. Stuff, you know, yes. a lot of punk, especially like Anthrax. They were like very punky. Yeah. Yeah. And they were also the same in the same scene at the same time. Yes. Yeah. The, so we'll get started on kill them all. Um, so what what was your let's get some initial thoughts. Uh, initial thoughts were the influence of punk. That's the mm-hmm. first thing that hit me. Um, that was the same you know, thing with me as well. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Um, you know, um, so uh, my, like some of my first songs were "Hit the Lights," Four Horsemen," "Motor Breath," "Whiplash," and of course "Seek and Destroy," which right. uh, has that you know very noticeable riff. Um, right. Yeah, it was just the, uh, I think the speed of the playing was really mm-hmm. different. Right. And um, there was like an emphasis on uh, riffs, which was great. And uh, yeah, kind of very, very down, down to earth, hard kind of playing, which I really, really appreciated, man. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What I, do you think? I, I, I enjoyed it as well. The thing uh, I wanted to add was uh, I wish I was listening to these guys back in Saudi. And um, I would have to say that I was more into the more pop elements of metal. Like I enjoyed JNR way more, way more. Um, only because JNR, uh, I think they had uh, they were more radio friendly, easier to listen to. And I don't think I was really ready mm. for the darker themes at the time in Saudi. Right. Yeah. Uh, 
I, I'm sorry. And I, you know what? I think before we do get more into it, uh, uh, both of our introductions to Metallica was through the Black Album, correct? Uh, no, actually, for me, I heard And Justice for All first. Okay, so you did hear that album first. Okay, okay. I did, yeah. Did you like it? Yeah, I did like it. Um, I didn't like like every single track, um, well, which I still don't. But um, yeah, I think I heard it when I was 13 or 14. Um, okay. It was actually a guy from school, Yasser Siddiqui. Uh, got it off him, uh, okay. a friend of mine. And um, yeah, so, but I didn't really, it didn't really hit, you know, like I didn't listen to it over and over again. It was the Black Album that really kind of struck a chord, pun right. intended. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I would have to agree with you as well. I did get a copy of um, of that album in 94. But again, I just... Uh, it didn't work. I, I don't know. I just... I enjoyed Metallica, the Black Album, way more than Justice for All. Yeah, I mean, we will get to that when we get to the album. Yeah, um, yeah. But there are good reasons for that, which I agree with you. So Okay. Uh, so for me, my favorite songs on Kill 'Em All was definitely Four Horsemen. I was again fan of the guitar work. The guitar work was just oh yeah, you know, oh, yeah. amazing on that song. Uh, Seek and destroy that solo. I think that solo launched a million uh, metal bands. Alone. Yes, I definitely agree. Yeah. Uh, no remorse. Uh, that anger and speed. That was so oh, wow. That was just so phenomenal. Um, and I would like to add that you know this is something that I think a lot of um, uh, rock historians write about and uh, it's I, I find it difficult right like I find it difficult to relate to because I just I wasn't around at that time and what they said is that this album uh, this is the album that changed metal forever and and for me it's hard to be in that mindset and say wow this is so different from anything on rock radio at the time uh, because Metallica was so ubiquitous with uh, the current rock scene you know like I can't remember a time when Metallica didn't exist so it's hard for me to imagine that, right? Yeah, that is true. Yeah. So that was one thing that I did want to um, highlight that that the, so much of we're listening to, it just seems like oh, this is just common knowledge, but unfortunately, it's uh, and well, fortunately, unfortunately, depending on what perspective you have, that this has been around for forty years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you put it like that, it's uh, it's kind of staggering. Yeah. Years. Right, right. Um, and, you know, I would say that this is, uh, um, and as you had mentioned before, that there's a definite uh, punk sound to it. And I think at the time when it came out, it was probably very cutting edge. And they toured heavily with this particular album. And then we move into Ride the Lightning. Yes. Uh, yeah. You want to start off? Like, What are your thoughts? Sure. Um, this album, more than anything, reminded me of Guilty Gear X. Um, I did send it forward to you. <laughs> yeah, I did check it out. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> uh, and um, I think the guy. I've, uh, this is uh, this is probably my fault that I didn't mention who was the who was the um, uh, music director for Guilty Gear X. But um, you could totally tell that he just he must have listened to Ride the Lightning all day every day. And, right. Uh, yeah. yeah. Probably other. Uh, there's a lot of Iron Maiden there as well in that in that game genre in that game in that game series, but uh, that definitely reminded me of it. And um, I had again, I had heard Ride the Lightning. I really got into Ride the Lightning, uh, and the other two three albums uh, 
pretty much in my early 30s or late 20s. So by then I was, I was the right time for me to find Ride the Lightning. So I, I loved it. Um, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a more polished sound, right? Compared to the previous album. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Yep. And I also, my, my initial thoughts was like, oh, wow, this music became more complex than the previous uh, album. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that. Like Fade to Black and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know. You're right. Uh, yeah, for me, I actually just heard this for the first time recently. Um, okay. I heard from Who the Bell Tolls, Fade to Black before, but um, yeah, this is my favorite album of their 80s uh, catalog. Mm-hmm. And uh, like you, I loved it. I have actually been listening to it like three or four times over. Right. Uh, you know, especially Fight Fire with Fire, Ride the Lightning, from Who the Bell Tolls is my favorite. Right. Uh, Fade to Black and Creeping Death, which I never heard before. Right. And uh, yeah, it's a great album, not just great, you know, songs. I It's one of those you hear back to front over and over again and it never gets old, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, like a revelation and a definite uh, progression uh, in terms of their sound. Mm-hmm. A lot more polished um, and getting into some of the uh, constructive kind of rhythms uh, like Fade right. to Black, you know, slowing up, speeding up, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, longer songs from Who the Bell Tolls, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and complex uh, arrangements. So, yeah, it was awesome, man. I really love this album. Yeah. Um, I Now... I was doing some research and it seemed like uh, the chief organizer for this was Cliff. Cliff was, uh, you know, indicating like, okay, we can do these complex structures um, and bridging uh, various different uh, structures of the song together. He was, uh, he was one of the guys that taught Lars and uh, Kirk how to, Hey, we could do it this way and come up with that, which is again, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan. Um, you know, I think uh, this uh, this particular um, uh, template was what how I enjoyed my metal. I will say that um, there's a lot of similarities between this album and Power Slave. Oh, okay. Um, how and, so? Uh, and what I mean by that is both albums are very fast. Yeah. Um, both all. Uh, I would say that the songwriting in Power Slave is better than Ride the Lightning. Um, mm-hmm. But as far as like uh, similar elements and musical styles, I would say that they're pretty, pretty, um, pretty comparable. Yeah, you're right. I think uh, from from who the bell tolls could be a maiden song. You know, just the yeah, even the yeah. name. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, I just, um, my personal opinion, and I love Metallica to death, is just, I don't think that James is as good of a singer as Bruce is. Oh, uh, no, I think he would be the first to admit that. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, ever since I, uh, you know, I gave Maiden a chance, I would say that Bruce Dickinson's probably my favorite metal singer. Wow. That is amazing. Yeah, yeah, I would. Uh, I I have to put him above um, um, Axl, and I mentioned this before. I think I'd have to put him above Axl Rose. And the more I listen to him, I'm like, wow, this guy can really sing. And um, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I yeah, I would have to I would have to say that there's a lot of similarities in this album um, coming in, and I I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I would like to mention something. I don't know if you. Um, if you're familiar with this series or not, 
Um, but the call of Cthulhu is that, I, and I'm mispronouncing it. I don't know. And, and I, uh, yeah, the yeah. instrumental song. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to apologize to all the fans that are of that uh, book series and video game series that I mispronounce it. So I apologize to you guys. Um, uh, are you familiar with this uh, book series or no? Oh, I didn't know. I just thought it was a song. I, did, I had no idea it was a book series. Yeah, and it's uh, by some guy by the name of H.P. Lovecraft. And um, it's supposed to be like oh. us. Yeah, it's supposed. And they made a video game series out of it as well. Um, okay, well, well yeah. all new to me. I'll have, to, I'll have yeah. to look into this. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, um, and this was one of the, I think, the la- one of the last songs that um, Mr. Dave Mustaine had any input to. And. Um, I think there was back and forth between both Dave Mustaine and the guys from Metallica as to who should receive the writing credits for that. But uh, that's a, you know, that's not here nor there. I mean, we, neither one of us was there and I, I, I don't have enough background information to, you know, say, Hey, uh, I think, you know, the band is right or Dave Mustaine is right. But I think that was, that was something that we should mention that, um, that these guys, much like uh, Led Zeppelin, who were just fans of uh, Lord of the Rings and and um, yeah, fantasy fantasy novels, uh, that uh, these guys were also fans of. Uh, well, Dave Mustaine was definitely a fan. Yeah, that makes sense with some of his Megadeth stuff. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, that's interesting, man. I didn't know about this element. Yeah, I thought there was some, yeah. And you know it's uh, it's funny because uh, we do have our own uh, uh, I guess our own WhatsApp group and w- where we relate a lot of stuff on video games and so on and so forth. I always like, especially listening to metal. Like you can see, oh, these are definitely metal elements in video game series, or uh, or something that we could always tie it back to sci-fi, fantasy. Yeah, absolutely. These all these things go really well together. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, Doom comes to mind and other games. Yes, uh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Racing right. games, and, you know, with yeah. metal in the back. Awesome. All right. So okay. the next album uh, was Master of Puppets, uh, which is a classic album um, mm-hmm. and a big influence on uh, a lot of bands and uh, kind of like good commercial success. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, for myself, uh, I loved it as well. Um, not as much as Ride the Lightning, but uh, pretty okay. close. Um, especially Battery, uh, Master Puppets, of course. You know that's amazing. Yes. Uh, Sanitarium and Damage Inc. were my favorite, but I did enjoy the whole album as a whole. Right. Um, yeah. Thoughts. I uh, for me personally, this album. Um, now, most of uh, most Metallica fans have called it most, uh, Metallica's most underrated album. Uh, for me, it's my favorite album. Um, but if I was to say what's more personal album, then that would be the black album, but this is my favorite album. This is, um, I, I was like, I was sold like master of puppets, 10 out of 10 song is just, oh, a, yeah. oh. you know, it's just the right type of aggressive 40, 14 year old boy song. Exactly. Um, you know, the lyrics are dark and haunting and hilarious. Um, Orion is uh, I liked Orion too. It's uh, it's more it's mostly just instrumentals, Leper Messiah, Damage Inc. Mm, too many yep. great songs. Too many great songs on Master. Too many, yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, ahead, did you bro. see a difference between Ride the Lightning and Master of Puppets, or was it more of the same? Okay, here's my thought on this. I do believe that 
they stripped it down with Master of the Puppets. Mm. You know, like the complex, like I think by this time Cliff had passed away or no, this was the last, I think this might've been the last album that Cliff had contributed to. Yeah, the, he was still on here. This was his last okay. album. Yeah, so I would say that the the sound was a little more stripped down. Um, it was somewhere between uh, "Kill 'Em All" and "Ride the Light." Yeah, I think I think that's fair. That's that's accurate. Um, um, it's um, and 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 nothing against "Ride the Lightning," um, but I could like I don't know. There's something about "Ride the Lightning" which constantly reminded me of Iron Maiden, and this album to me, seemed like it was Metallica's signature sound. Like they found their sound, finally. That kind yeah. Of thing. Yeah, this was the, like, oh, okay, we're, uh, this is us. Um, because, if, because, especially going back to a song like Master of Puppets, right? Uh, that was such a unique sound. That was like nothing, at that time, I can imagine nobody had heard of. And to this day, I'm like, oh, that's something that separates them from everybody else. Yeah, that is that. Yeah, that's the signature master of puppets. I would agree with that. You know, that's just that's if you want to know what Metallica is, you listen to that song. Really, right? I have to agree on that one for sure. And thoroughly enjoyable album. Um, yeah, uh, highly recommended for me. I would, if I was to say if somebody came up to me and said, "Hey, what would you like to listen to?" I'd say, yeah, "Just definitely start with Master of the Puppets." Yeah, I would echo that. You know, it's uh, it's a good place to start. Um, and uh, unfortunately, after this, um, there was a tragic accident on the tour bus where Cliff Burton passed mm-hmm. away. Yes. And, uh, you know, the band took uh, was very heavily affected by it, um, and that showed up on the next record, but they had to find a, find a replacement first. Um, mm-hmm. So in comes uh, Jason Newstead, and uh, they started recording And Justice for All, which was released in 1988. Mm-hmm. And it had a completely different um, feel. Um, so, yeah, uh, before I get into it, uh, what were your thoughts about this time period and this transition of uh, basis and, you know, this new album? Okay, so this album, and nothing against Jason Newstead. I actually, I like Jason. I think he's a great bass player. Um, I wish he stayed longer in Metallica, but that's just, you know, unfortunately that didn't work out. Um, this was where you could tell that this was the transition. This was the Black Album before the Black Album. Uh, this album alone got a lot of kids into Metallica. Um, this was, you can see, you can see that Metallica was like shifting their sound. They were going, okay, let's uh, let's try to get something um more accessible to fans. I don't know if that was their intention, but yeah. it definitely sounded like it. And okay, I feel differently. But okay, yeah, go. go ahead. Uh, and that's and that's about it. I do uh, I do like some of the sounds, but I would say that um, it's probably a more accessible album than the previous three albums. Uh yeah, my thoughts are a little different. I guess um sure, I sure. feel the opposite. I feel uh yeah yeah. So um like firstly the um when Cliff Burton died, they were very much in like a state of sorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of songs are kind of based on that theme, and uh, I checked out a recent interview where they kind of confirmed that. Right. Um, the other thing is they were kind of taking their anger out on Jason because you can't hear the bass 
Like Where, it's very well known that the bass is like completely turned down in the oh, production. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and uh, you know, and uh, there's a lot of drums in that album, man. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That too, I would agree. Yeah. I would agree. But I do agree on uh, on one hand, uh, you know, stuff like one is a bit more accessible, you know, mm-hmm. um, to the commercial audience. Um, some of the tracks I like were Black End and Justice for All, One and Eye of the Beholder. Right. Um, but yeah, the what stands out to me is there's no bass. You can't hear it at all. And it's all about the drums and guitar. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, because of the, the death, a lot of the themes are very dark. And um, the other thing I noticed, and uh, Kirk Hamlet was talking about in a recent interview I, I, uh, I watched, was that this was a time for those really long guitar solos and intricate right. playing. And people were like showing off, right? All the metal bands were showing what they could do. Um, right. So they had really, really long songs mm-hmm. with solos that just wouldn't fly today, right? And right. songs were like extremely long. Guitar players kind of showing off what they can actually do, you know? Right. Um, which I think they, <laughs> Kirk was saying, they kind of regret now. But um, but overall, still a, still a solid album. And uh, there were some signs, like you said, of switching into, you know, stuff like one kind of turns into Unforgiven, right? Like that kind of yeah. slower uh, arrangement, which is more commercially accessible. But overall, I just felt it was a little too much dark with a lot of sadness yep. um, and with the bass missing. So it's probably my least favorite of the la- of the mm-hmm. first four albums. Right. Um, I personally enjoyed the frayed Ends of Sanity. Um, I felt like uh, that was probably a really good, uh, like probably James Hetfield's better writing it sounds like it's a descent into madness, uh, like the book uh, Griffin and Sabine. It's it's complex writing. I really did enjoy James writing at the time. Um, otherwise, I, I I had totally forgot that you they. I remember this, but I had totally forgot that they had purposely turned down the bass. Uh, which was not a good move for Metallica. Yeah, I think I want to segue into this Jason Newstead. This, you know, this kind of tension between him and the band. Yeah, and um, you know, he ended up eventually leaving. Uh, but it was uh, well, I guess ninety six or ninety seven where he left after Reload. But it's not uh, that long. Uh, long, right? long, I think longer than that. I want to say two thousand, two thousand one. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. I was thinking about albums. But, um, so right. I think Reload was the last album he was on. But yeah, he actually left later on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's well chronicled in the excellent documentary, Some Kind of Monster, where um, they're kind of re- trying to replace him and find a new bassist. Right. Um, I forget the gentleman's name. Is it Robert Trujillo? Trujillo? Yeah, right? Robert Trujillo. Um, yeah. He used to was he a was he a bass player for Suicidal Tendencies I believe or that is correct yeah he was in Suicidal right. Tendencies yeah right right um we, I I like Robert I'm a fan of his I like his style yeah um I really I actually you know to be honest with you I feel really bad for Jason I've always felt bad for Jason I just feel like you know his timing was bad and he uh, I don't know if you remember this but when when Jason initially got it came to the band, he was really um, I want to say that he was really um, they had put a lot of um, hazing and yeah hazing initiation kind of uh, things for him like he was gonna carry all the gear in that was his oh, yeah. job 
Yeah, I mean, sorry, it goes back to that Cliff Burton thing, right? I think in some of the interviews I've seen, they kind of took it out on him. They were angry. Yeah. They overdid it, you know, in my opinion. (laughs) I think a lot of people. Yeah, they overdid it. And and I think it was like uh, he went through that time and he, because Metallica wasn't doing anything, he's like, hey, listen, I want to do some, you know, side projects and James wouldn't allow it. I think the friction really comes from James and him. James is a very difficult person to. Yeah. I mean, they don't really acknowledge Dave Mustaine that much. You know, I think Lars kind of does, but um, I think everything is good now, but um, it's kind of, uh, you know, he wants, he seems to be one control of Metallica, James, I mean. Yeah. And to an extent Lars too, but um, yeah, I guess, you know, it's just that front man kind of thing. I'm in charge. I'm the guy. Yeah. Um, You know, that kind of thing. Yep, he is that kind of person. So again, nothing, nothing against, uh, uh, nothing. I, I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of these kind of personalities. And uh, g- giving more context to this, I remember uh, reading um, again Chuck Klosterman. And the funny thing is, this guy writes a lot about Metallica, but he's not a Metallica fan. So I, I, I don't, <laughs> I, don't I don't understand that. That uh, kind of, I think there is sometimes people are more interested in the myth that a band creates as opposed to their artistic output. You know, yeah, I guess how they, how, yeah, how they come across culturally that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. For me, that would be Motley Crue. Um, I have not, I have not listened to a single album by Motley Crue from beginning to end. I've never heard one. You're but not missing one. <laughs> <laughs> but I did read the Dirt. Uh, and I enjoyed the dirt. And again, it's just I think there, I, as there was a time where you know, they Motley Crue was the biggest band on earth. Yeah, I also I saw the Netflix film of the Dirt. I haven't read the book, but mm-hmm. um, it's pretty enjoyable. Like I think the story is very interesting. Yeah, the stories are very interesting, and uh, they had a rivalry for a long time too, Metallica and. Um, Oh, I didn't know that. I mean, in my mind, like, uh, you know, metal and hard rock, there is a difference. Um, Yes. But it's not a huge difference. Like, if you take uh, My Michelle from Guns N' Roses, that's a metal song, really. Right. You know, it's it's very, the the line is very thin. So, uh, yeah, yeah, you can can kind of compare them, to be fair. Yeah. I think it was just, uh, you know, uh, I think when Motley Crue came out at the time, they were dressed up in makeup and high heels. (laughs) <laughs> and Metallica, yeah, and Metallica was jeans, t-shirt, leather jacket, and uh, you know Converse, and yeah. they looked like the Ramones. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, uh, which you know, I mean, looks. I don't know. I mean, looks are looks are looks. Presentations, presentation. But I think they were just coming from a different, uh, uh, I guess, like different influences than those guys. Yeah, I think metal for me. The more I listen to metal, the more it feels like a child of punk, like the same ethos, you know. Yeah. Um, especially the way it started off with, uh, you know, a lot of live shows, uh, kind of anti-commercial, anti-establishment kind of stuff. Um, you know, not to the level as much as punk, but just feels like those guys were listening to a lot of punk, you know, and they're fans of punk. Right. Yeah. So I would. Um, uh, uh, I I I have um, 
and getting back to what you were talking about regarding like how they were child and uh, I can see the different camps in metal and hard rock. I can see how they would differentiate each other and they could kind of also not like each other. So yeah, yeah absolutely. There, and and it's, it's variations in different songs and different things, right? It's just, it's where you come from. What and it's, Music at the end of the day is just the medium to express how you feel. Yes. Yes. I mean, uh, for me, like uh, hard rock has a lot of blues in it, blues scale uh, mm -hmm. type of playing, you know, whereas heavy metal doesn't at all. No. That's, that's the way you can kind of differentiate it. You know, with ACDC, people say it's heavy metal, but it's really a hard rock band, really. Yes. Because it's, uh, you know, I mean, some of their stuff is like just Chuck Berry turned up by 10 you know yeah so uh, because the blue scale so um mm -hmm. yeah but sometimes the line can be thin and uh they do there are people who hate heavy metal who love hard rock and vice versa it's people yeah. who like both um i must admit even i was more towards the hard rock side but now the metal is really something i'm enjoying um yeah and kind of discovering uh not for the first time but like with an open mind uh You're right you know, all these bands are just fantastic and not everything sticks. Like sometimes Slipknot can be a little too heavy, but okay, some of the, yeah, some of the songs do stick, you know, stuff like yeah. even stuff like Disturbed, which is completely new for me mm -hmm. is, uh, is a revelation along with the Slayer and Anthrax two other bands, which I, I didn't hear anything of before. Right. Um, and part of it was my like stigma of like, Oh man, this is just metal. They just, you know, um, I'm not going to be able to relate to this, but actually I can relate to it. Right, really right, right. It. I was gonna say from the big four. Do you listen to the other three, uh, as in Megadeth, Anthrax, and Slayer? Um, now I did get a chance to check out a couple of Megadeth albums earlier last year, and unfortunately, I haven't revisited them. And from what I heard, I enjoyed it. I did listen to Reign of Blood as well. Yeah, um, yeah, Slayer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was pretty good, and I. Asked you, hey, do you listen to Slayer? And you're like, hell no. So I was like, <laughs> how things change, how things yeah, change. Yeah. I was like, okay, uh, maybe he doesn't like Slayer that much. But um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I did try a few of their albums. Um, uh, I'll be honest, I didn't get to try as much as I wanted. Um, probably I would tr definitely like to hear more Megadeth. And spe and the thing is, especially. When people were going around complaining, and you and I both, we were both there. When people were complaining about um, how Metallica sold out, and when they cut their hair and they released, um, yes, yeah, um, uh, the first Load album. What got me thinking was, oh, and some a metal fan had said, "Hey, listen, if Metallica sounded really bad, then that was when Megadeth was making some great albums." So yeah, I like, oh, yeah, yeah, I should check it out. This is and that there's a common saying. I don't know why it doesn't ex it didn't exist. It's gone out of our you know lexicon now. But uh, it was like uh, Megadeth sounds like if Metallica didn't sell out. Yeah, I was gonna say that the Megadeth never sold out. And yeah, just, yeah. And uh, but we, uh, I think it's a good thing that Metallica, after um, Saint Anger, especially, kind of went down to their roots, mm -hmm. and a lot of their later albums do sound like their earlier albums. Uh, would you agree with that or disagree? I would agree, um, especially more elements of Ride the Lightning. Yes, yeah, yeah. Because I think uh, they were, you know, they're very smart. They're not only musicians, 
but they're also smart in the sense like, hey, um, how can we make ourselves better and more popular? Yeah, I would agree. And they always they throw a couple of commercial songs in there just to mm-hmm. get the get the main um, casual audience too. You know, yeah, like Unforgiven Three or The Day That Never Comes. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you have stuff like My Apocalypse and uh, Hardwired. You know. Yeah, moth to a flame. You know that really. That's okay. That is Metallica. Like, right. no messing around. This is what we are. You know. Yeah, and I think it was they had the ear to the sound. I mean, to their fans, so good. You know, like they would, um, like when when they decided to go back to their old sound. Um, that I would have to say that they were listening to their fans. Their fans were like, "Hey, we want to hear this." This is what we want. This is what we like. And I think also at that time when they came out with that uh, 2008 album, Death Magnetic, they were thinking in terms of, I think the sound at the time was a lot of metal bands reminiscing about these four first albums, these first four albums. Yeah, I would agree with that 100%. I think there was a band that you saw live, uh, Trivium. Yes, yeah. Opening for okay. animated. Yeah. Okay. How do you, was Trivium closer to the first four Metallica albums or no? Um, I don't remember them that well. I just remember not liking it at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and especially when you're waiting for Maiden, you got to wait for them to finish. Right, right, right. Um, but yeah, sort of. Right. I just can't right. recall. I can't recall that well. Okay, okay. So I remember um, at that time, and even with me, I was like, hey, man, I really miss that kind of metal sound. Um, I was listening to more Mastodon. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, more of the first four albums. And then they were like, hey, let's just make do Death Magnetic. This is what the people want. We'll give them Ride the Lightning Part 2. Which isn't a bad thing at all. <laughs> Which, yeah, exactly. And I'm not dissing them for that. And I'm very happy with the way it turned out. And I think, um, you know, I think uh, originally I'd proposed that this be a three-part podcast. And um, I think we'll probably head that way. Uh, but, um, and, and you know, right off the bat, and I don't want, and, you, and I'm sure you're the same way, that we don't want to do the next, the Bob Rock years, I'll quote, quote, unquote. It'd be just like, oh, let's just diss Bob Rock and, the for the latter you know four albums um because that's easy to do right that's the easy thing to do and yeah we yeah. would like to really go in in all those albums and say hey look this is what i liked yeah i mean i still i still prefer the black album over anything you know mm-hmm. so he, he was involved with that it's just yes, the other he was he was um and the, yeah jason Newsted too so um you know whatever happens jason Newsted is always gonna Get some yeah. nice royalties and be involved in that, uh, you know, best. Is it the best-selling metal album ever? It might be one of them. Yes, it might be. I think it might be. It went diamond, so yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, the uh, yeah, there was some, there was some good stuff he did, but uh, also a lot of bad stuff. But we'll get into that. We'll get into that with uh, when we do the next one. Mm-hmm. And now, before we do close off, uh, did you get a chance to check out the uh, garage? Garage EP because all those songs were pretty much recorded during that time, during these four four albums. I think somewhere in between that time. 
You know what? I have not. So it's an EP called Garage. Garage. Yeah, the Garage Days. With yeah. like different tracks, right? Like not not yeah, the, not a, a lot of cover songs. Um, um, like uh, the classic "Whiskey in a Jar," the Irish song. Oh yeah, yeah I have heard that a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. the covers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, it, it's a good companion piece. It kind of just shows you, like, yeah, you know, here I am on the road again. Yes, to, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, I went through that a long time ago. I think it was two thousand and three, maybe. Okay. Yeah. yeah not since then. I'll revisit it. I'll revisit revisit. Yeah, it was during that time. Uh and I, I suggest that um, you know, again, and I highly suggest I should have we should have included that, unfortunately, but we didn't, but that's okay. I think we can cut because so the history behind it was it was released sometime during the eighties. So uh with our um in conclusion, I highly recommend it. Um Unfortunately, we didn't cover it in this particular podcast. So, but we will. I think because it was released, I think sometime in '98 or '99. So, I think mm, it'll yeah. be something we'll cover during that time as well. So, in closing, um, I would say that it's um, you know revisit these albums if you're a fan, um, enjoy them, um, and you know we'll get into. The other, uh, the other albums as well in the latter part and the second part of this series. So uh, keep you guys posted and uh, hope you enjoyed this. Absolutely. Um, I've uh, become a real fan of metal because of this Iron Maiden and Metallica mm-hmm. podcast. And uh, yeah, th- this has been iRock City. Thank you very much for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode. Peace.